Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Paychecks, the podcast that explores different careers so you can find your dream job. In today's episode, your host Peter is pulling back the curtain on physical therapy. You'll hear straight from Sean, a physical therapist who lives and breathes this work every day. He'll be talking about the good, the bad, and everything in between. So whether you're a seasoned physical therapist wanting to get into the field or just curious, you're in for a treat. Get ready to be inspired, informed, and entertained as we embark on another episode of Beyond the Paychecks. All right. Hi. Thanks for um, spending your time to chat with me. I'm really uh, excited about what you do. Not a problem. And I have actually on my shoulder is has an issue. <laughs> what? <But> anyway. <laughs> what? I do free service? I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, I just want to kind of quickly chat. I have, I have like a few questions for you, but um, let's get kind of let's get started. Um, what is your job title, Sean? And why do clients hire you? I mean, it seems uh, straightforward, but <laughs> so right now, um, I'm a physical therapist. I specialize in orthopedics. Um, orthopedics mostly uh, consists of like the general population, so it ranges post surgery, so like uh, uh, shoulder repair, so rotator cuff repair. Um, I treat uh, knee replacements. I also treat patients with like uh, knee pain, arthritis. Uh, such as uh, people who play tennis. Um, I also treat people with uh, like neck and back issues. So, like if you have a, if you have a, if you're on the computer and like since the whole population has been working from home, they start accumulating like uh, postural issues, resulting in some discomfort in their body too as well. So, um, in terms of me, I'm more orthopedic. So I'm more of like general population ranging from uh, teenagers all the way to like, I think my oldest patient right now is, uh, 89. So it's, it's a big, big gambit of people. I see. So are you working currently at a hospital or like a clinic? I'm working in a, uh, clinic, uh, in Phoenix, we have, um, physical therapy. There's two different types of clinics. There's clinics that, uh, are separate entities. So like, uh, they're owned by physical therapists or they're with a, uh, a corporation under physical therapist. With mine, um, I work under a physician clinic. So basically next door we have uh, our, our orthopedic doctors. And then um, once they are you know, seen, um, they refer it to our clinic, which is pretty much next door or down the hallway. And then um, the, good news, the advantage to that is the fact that we have the doctor already diagnosed them. So like they say, oh, we did x-rays, this patient has X, Y, Z. And then um, we see them and then, okay, cool. You know, this patient has this diagnosis, so then we're gonna go treat uh, treat them accordingly to what the doctor said. Or if it works out, in other words, like if they're having a lot of pain, I can send them back to the doctor, which is pretty much next door, and then they can get seen. So it's like a, it's an easier communication in my situation than anything else. Hey guys, um, just to sort of connect the dots here, there were a little bit of audio issues leading into this next part. So this for this next part, Sean starts to discuss the types of people he sees, who he treats, and all that fun stuff. Right now, 
uh, I want to say probably 45% are uh, post-surgery and then the other, you know, 55% are people who um, are hurting and hopefully physical therapy itself and exercise can fix it. And then if, if there's any other complications, then we'll send them over to the doctor again. Like, you know, some people are just out of shape. They just need a little bit of just some simple exercises to get stronger and they should be fine. Okay. Awesome. So I want to kind of start from the beginning of your career. Um, so how did you get first and get interested in PT? Like who, who convinced you or, or, and why did you decide to go in this? So, uh, back, back in the day, um, my parents are in the health field. So my dad's a radiologist and my mom was a nurse. And so like when I was raised up, it was like health field, health field, health field. So then <clears throat> when I decided to go to college, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do pre-med. We'll see what happens. We'll see where we go from there. Um, I started going into college. Um, I majored in uh, physiological sciences, which is like a general kind of like health-based major. And then I was, I was going through everything. I'm like, you know what? I think it's, I want an easier job in terms of like, I'm not, I'm not going to do surgery. I'm not going through that situation. So what happened to me is I decided to uh, go to Midwestern University out here in Glendale. And what I did was I got my bachelor's degree in occupational therapy. So occupational therapy is more of like, I'm a, it's a therapist, but it's more based on functional activities. So like a physical therapist will basically get a patient back to 100%. If, if the patient is unable to get back to 100%, let's say like, they have arthritis and in their hands, and so they can't really grip. An occupational therapist will help in terms of getting their function back to to what they can do. So basically, I got my bachelor's in occupational therapy. And while I was working as an occupational therapist, I was <clears throat> I was observing. We were co-treating, so we're treating with physical therapists. And I was like, you know what? I like physical therapy. You know, I like the exercise portion of it. I like the manual treatment on the patients on how they, you know, how they get better. And so um, I decided, you know what, I need to get my master's degree or my doctorate degree in something. And then I'll call it good in terms of education. So after, after I got my bachelor's in occupational therapy, I started interviewing for my, uh, for PT school. And so right after I got my degree, which was probably in uh, June, I started PT school in August. And then what I did with that was I basically went through PT school and then got my PT degree, then I got my OT degree and that, or my, my license in Arizona. And then after that, I started practicing physical therapy. The one thing I like in terms of physical therapy is uh, it's I'm kind of my own boss. The doctors are there and they're going to advise what I need to do, but I'm basically the bridge between the patient and the doctor. So uh, what I feel like is if the patient comes to me and they go, I don't know, the doctor said I had this diagnosis. I don't know what it means. Can you, can you tell me what's going on? So what I'll do is I'll break it down and what's, what's going on with them and then kind of 
all right, this is what you got going on and just break it down into like layman's terms and for them to understand. And then from there they can uh, go, oh, okay, so I understand what's going on. And then I'll just explain like how exercise and treatment will help benefit them and how they need to get better or what they were doing wrong that caused the pain in the first place. So I like that better than what I was kind of going for too. And plus, as a physical therapist, it's more like a like a nine to five job. Um, I don't have to worry about my patients. Like over the weekend, they're not gonna die on me, or like it's not a not a very. I can see them on Monday, and I can still say they're gonna be okay. And so, like, I, I can I can go in, check in. I'll treat them. If they have any questions, if they have any concerns, they can let me know. But I, it's not going to be a life or death situation from from Friday to Monday. So I see. Yeah. So it's, so it's like I was I was gonna kind of go into this. Like, mm-hmm. what is then your work life balance is pretty good, would you say? Right. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I like is the fact that um, we're able to manipulate our schedules, and then most of the patients they can kind of, uh, their schedule is pretty much flexible. Um, some of my patients are retired, so they can come in whenever. And then in terms of my schedule, I work three full days. So my full days are Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, and then my half days are Wednesdays and Fridays. And so um, if if I'm unavailable, I our clinic has a physical therapy assistant who can pretty much uh, – give the treatment I've written down and provide the treatment. They just can't evaluate the patient. So see them on the first day and progress their exercises. So basically the PTA is under my responsibility, but I can tell them what they need to do with the patient. And so um, most of my patients are pretty good at staying on my schedule. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of overflow in which they go see the PTA, but overall um, <clears throat> my time is good in which I can kind of like, get in, um, get my paperwork done, treat all my patients. And then I pretty much get out on time and it works really well in terms of like, uh, our clinic is, we have good coverage. So if I decide to take a vacation, it works out well too Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So it's, so you kind of mentioned this a little bit, all Mm -hmm. the stuff that you like to do at your job, like why you love your job. And then Mm -hmm. what are some things that you might not like as much? Um, in terms of that, I feel like uh, you get you get in what you get out of it. So, like in some occasions, um, some patients are just they come in hot, and their expectations are, well, the doctor said I needed PT, so their their expectations are fix me. What am I doing here? And then they don't have like an open mind of what's going to occur. And so it's like sometimes in that occasion, you're you're trying to sell you're trying to sell the product and uh, they come in hot and I'm like, dude, you have to like accept it. This is what's going on. You've had this pain for, you know, like, Oh, I have low back pain. It's been coming or you should have got this checked out way, way earlier. You can't just expect me to do like one specific move and like cure you in about, you know, two days. So Mm -hmm. on occasion, uh, the disadvantage is, patients' personalities and their expectations of what's going on. So um, that's maybe uh, maybe like 5% of my patients when it occurs. But it all it all happens in terms of how people are, their, their perception. So with me, 
the area I work in, it's kind of like, uh, I'm near Scottsdale and then Scottsdale, Scottsdale people, sometimes their expectations are just a little bit high in terms of, you know, I'm paying for this. I need to get, I want to see fast results. And then I see. other, other people are more like humble and they go, Hey, thank you. You're helping me a lot. You know, I appreciate it. And in that case, it's, it's rewarding in my, you know, on that side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just people need to be patient and then they come in and like, it's, it, I did what you did. It's not helping. And I'm like, okay, you need to like take a step back. You need to realize what's going on. It's not one of those things that just is going to be like poof, it's gone. So that's the only thing in terms of my, my job that could be a little bit frustrating. And then, but other than that, I can kind of, uh, I can kind of figure out what's going on and then kind of steer the patient in the right direction. So like if they're doing well, I'm like, okay, you need a little bit more PT and then you should be done. If things are going a little bit bad and I'm like, all right, let's go talk to this about this and let's see what's going on. Maybe he can have a better answer of what, uh, what we need to tackle. So at least there's, there's trails to go on as opposed to like, just for me, I have answers, but if my patients are just coming in and like, I've had pain, I'm on a lot of medication. And then, so that's that's one of the drawbacks in terms of like trying to sell it and for them to be patient and like, you'll see if you do your stuff and you do it and you understand what's going on, you should be okay eventually. We'll find answers to help you get out of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome, so those are all really interesting actually and no, I never thought people would think it's like a magic pill, but they just, yeah. <laughs> they in, in America, if there was that pill, everyone would be taking it and there was like, Hey, I saw this on TV. Why can't, what's going on? Why can't I, you know, like, Oh, I saw this special shoe. I'm wearing that special shoe. Why isn't it like, you know, like everyone yeah. looks on TVs, social media, there's that special thing that they do and, you know, non-surgical. I want that. Why isn't that, you know, why can't I just do that? Why don't that help me? And I'm like, dude, this is just a different generation. Like back, you know, 15 years ago, there was no, you know, social media of this situation to sell, you know? And so people are like, oh yeah, I saw, I looked on the internet, what the doctor told me, I have this and it's, that's it. Like I'm going to die or this is, I'm going to lose my knee. And I'm like, it's just, you have to, you're reading too much into the internet and it's not the end all be all. You have to like, you have to understand what your body is. It's not a, it's like, it's not like a mathematical equation, which mm-hmm. A plus B equals C there's the science and there's ways that it might help and can figure it out. Yeah. Awesome. So let's say I am 18 years old and I want to go into PT. How would one get any, where, what kind of schooling do you need? So you need undergrad, like you mentioned, I would say 18 year old, I would, first of all, I would, I would definitely at least, you know, volunteer for like maybe a month at a clinic and PTs are always open to that. So like, if you decide to go on, I want to, you know, you go to a PT clinic and Hey, I'm interested in like maybe shadowing for a few, like after school, maybe two hours or something like that to get an idea of what we do and in terms of treatment exercises, the drawback of paperwork, just to get an idea of what's going on. Um, after that, you kind of go to, you look at schools that are, that have PT schools. So like 
in Arizona, there's probably four PT schools if you wanted to stay in Arizona. You look at that and then you look at what their uh, prerequisites are. So with my, with my occupational therapy degree, pretty much 85% of my classes um, were going towards my uh, graduate school. Um, so that worked out well. So I was able to maybe take a few summer school classes and then I was able to be eligible for uh, applying for PT school. Um, some schools require volunteer hours. So you have to look at that. Um, they require just to see like, hey, are you sure you want to go into PT school? Uh, so with me, I decided like my physiology major was a lot of base stuff. You need like your biology, your physics, your chemistry. You need a few uh, psych classes. You need a stats class. You'll see the you'll see what requirements are there, and then you kind of you take the classes for your major because you need a bachelor's degree, and then you start taking some other supplemental classes for your for your grad school, and then. Once you take those classes, uh, you have to take the GRE. So then uh, you look at what their requirements are in terms of their GRE. Um, don't feel like intimidated because they'll say, all right, the GRE, you need this certain score. But that's like it's an average of the score. And if you're a well-rounded student in terms of like, you know, you do some extracurricular activities, you know, you volunteered here, you've done this and this. Um, They'll look for well-rounded people, so it's a lot easier than, than anything else. Um, once you get, yeah, you have a well-rounded base, you'll need some like uh, letters of recommendation. So find a, find a teacher in your bachelor's program that you can kind of say, hey, you know, I'm going to PT school and just like, you need probably, I think you need one academic one and one from a physical therapist. Um, that's what NAU or one of our uh, universities require, just to see your uh, personality, and so they can figure out how you're gonna, how would you do in the future. I see. So you need a recommendation from uh, a faculty, or I guess just like maybe a professor, and then yeah. maybe one from an actual PT. Yeah, one from actual PT. Okay. So uh, I don't know. Some schools require that. That's what I just like. I had a student. Uh, I had a student two months ago and they needed, yeah, they needed someone from a PT. And I'm like, and I asked him like, what happens if you don't know a PT? And he's like, well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I'm like, they require it. So like, I think that kind of pushes you to kind of uh, volunteer into a PT clinic. And like mm -hmm. in some, some places they're like, oh, you want to volunteer? Maybe do you want to actually work? So like we have some uh, PT techs who are going into PT school, but they're getting paid. So it's like they're working for us. So they get their volunteer hours, plus they get paid. And so, oh, that's nice. so that's how it works out here. Cause like we definitely, our turnover goes because they're going to go into PT school. So when they go to PT school, um, we have to find new people. So we'll usually get people that are going into PT school. We'll have them for like two years or so. And then, um, they're finishing up, they graduate, they get their classes, and then after that. So it's kind of like a rotation in terms of our uh, techs. Our techs basically just uh, go over exercises with their patients. And so, one, they get to learn exercises that we give our patients. Two, they begin to have a, a rapport with their patients and communicate, because that's big in terms of uh, 
getting the psychological base of the patients and understand them and like, you know, have sympathy or empathy if need be, if they're having, oh, I'm in a lot of pain and like they, they have experience on how to deal with patients um, as well. So, yeah, that's actually so fascinating. I didn't even know you needed all that. And wow. <laughs> if you if you don't have any people skills as a PT, you're you're not going to go far because, or you can just kind of deal with, the problem with me is like, I like orthopedics and that's my good population. When I did internships with children, that was a different story because I'm like, oh my gosh, they can't communicate. Another way you can communicate is if you give them candy, you sing a song or you do something <laughs> stupid and they laugh at you. So with that situation, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. So I did well with that internship, but I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. Like, there's no way I can like, Think twinkle twinkle little star and like be functional and stuff like that. Everyone has their <laughs> little niche, um, but yeah, communication is big and just keeping attention with the patients is a big thing in our in our uh, job. <clears throat> awesome. So, and China also talk about the cost of going to school too. Um, uh-huh. So undergrad, whatever undergrad that costs, mm-hmm. whatever that is today. And then plus PT school uh, cost. That's kind of how much it would thing. cost, right? Yeah, it's, I haven't. It's been a while since I've been to PT school. It's uh, the way it works is uh, the here in Arizona, our state school. We have one state school, uh, Northern Arizona University, and uh, they you have in-state tuition. Um, other than that, we have private schools. So we have four private, uh, three private schools here in Arizona. Um, so usually there's there's in-state schools, which are hard to get because they're cheap. And so it's more competitive because of how low the tuition is. And then um, once you go to... Hey guys, just coming back to connect some more dots. So what Sean is saying is that for in-state schools, it can be a bit more competitive because the tuition is lower. So everyone in that state is just trying to apply there and get to that school. Um, If you apply to a private school, obviously the cost will be uh, significantly higher. So that's what was missed in that little section there. It can go up a lot. Um, It depends on... It depends on how bad you want to graduate and then, you know, than anything else. I feel like it's definitely the in-state schools is a lot harder than the private schools. Um, for me, I, I, I applied to five schools. The one school I didn't get accepted to was just the fact of it was, uh, it was in, it was UNLV in Vegas and they preferred having their, in-state students prioritized before they're out-of-state students. And so um, with that one, that's the only one I didn't get into, but all the other ones were private schools. And they were like, you know, they just, they go, yes, you know, you have a good, you know, you're qualified, you can get in no matter what. Um, The deal is the university, the university and state universities over the private schools, but you have to have a really stacked resume in terms of just being an overall good person um, than anything else. There's no like secret or, you know, because I was asking my uh, student who was accepted at the university, I'm like, what did you do? What made you special? He's like, I don't know. It's like my class was a lot of 
bright kids. And I'm like, you know, we had some weird ones, but we, you know, everyone is really good. And I'm like, okay, but it's hard to find out, you know, you just look at people's resumes and I'm like, well, that guy's good. And that guy's good. It doesn't, I don't know how they figure out like, okay, we want this kid to be in, our, in here and we're going to deny this one. Like grades are grades, yeah. but then if you stick, you know, if you don't put a face to it and just look at it, their GRE scores, their grades, you can't, it, I don't know their, their secret picking and choosing. And that's how it is. I see. Yeah. The sim probably it's a three year program, right? So, or yeah. how long is it? So it costs probably costs twenty thousand a year for three it's, years. So it's around there. Back like in 60. back in two thousand three, um, USC was the number one school in a PT program, and they were a thousand dollars a credit. So estimate sixteen thousand for your fall, then sixty thousand okay. for your spring. 32. 32 grand. And then you have summer school, which is 12 credits. And so, you know what I'm saying? So that's like 44. Or In 2003, roughly. too. Yeah. And so, it's double than quadruple, you know what I'm saying? So, with that, it's gone up a lot in that situation. Um, I see. That's the so most you... expensive school. And then, I see. everything is kind of relative. And um, with that, they're pretty much open and or you know if you decide to go like look at a school they're pretty much open in terms of how they uh, charge per credit um, i see so so you gotta kind of do your own research and see yeah what because fits. every school is going to be different like the east coast schools are going to be different versus the west coast schools um and then you know the in-states uh, yeah the in-states have different definitely cheaper than anything else um yeah everything's all relative cool. yeah Awesome. Um, now a question a lot of listeners are curious about is what does like the starting salary range look like? I don't want to tell me yours, but what does the starting look like? And what does kind of the mid career, maybe five, 10 years of experience look like? Let's see. So I, I, I started, it's probably more now than I start. So back in roughly 2000 and 2008, 2009, I started working. Uh, starting salary was probably, I think I was at 65,000. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then 2009. Yeah. And so what happens is, uh, with that one, they'll offer you like bonuses. So bonuses are like, if you see a certain amount of patients and you, you know, per month, uh, if once you hit this, like certain amount of revenue, uh, it goes into your bonus. So it would increase uh, quarterly. We would get paid our bonuses quarterly. So I'd probably make an extra uh, 2500 to 3000 each quarter just because of my bonus. I would say right now with inflation, hopefully people are starting at maybe 68.5 to maybe 70, uh, 68.5 to maybe 72,000. Mm-hmm. I would. I would think, um, but that also plays in the role in turn with uh, cost of living. Because, like, if I was working, if I started up in California, I would definitely <laughs> start up higher, probably seventy five, 
but then you know you're thinking of um, apartment and all that stuff, which starts adding up. So like you can probably be making six figures in three years, but you're still paying off your student loans and your apartment, so you still have no money. So Jesus, <laughs> like hey, you're making so much money, and like so it's very yeah. it's very enticing to go to California, yeah. but then. The money just drains faster yeah. than anything else. Yeah, I, I would, ideally, if you're making like 70k in 2009, maybe mm-hmm. hopefully the starting would be like 90 to 100. Maybe with that, with that, switch, with that it's kind of like the the more experience you have, they'll start you off a little bit higher. With the new mm-hmm. grads, um, there's a lot of them, and so. They can't, they have to be right now. With, I've been practicing for 13 years, I can kind of be picking and choosy because they know I'm experienced and I know, like, mm-hmm. they know what's going on. With the new grads, they're just like they know the basics, they can treat what they need to, they have a license, so they're not, you know, so with that, they're they can kind of, uh, there's a lot of them, and they're like, This is your first job, so this is what we're going to give you. and these are the hours you're going to work. So as a new grad, you're kind of, kind of in the in the bottom, at the bottom of the barrel. And then you have to slowly try to work yourself up fast and kind of see where it goes from there. So like, so kind I, of... yeah, it's, <laughs> it's basically, I, was, I applied to maybe, I applied to three places and then um, it's one one's like I need more experience from you and I'm like to the point I'm like well I'm a new grad I know new like more more modern techniques than your elders but at the same time they're like well you don't have that experience period and so it's you get whatever job you can get unless you did really well in your internship and they offered you a job then and there then you can take it um that's what kind of works out in some ways is like your internships sometimes if you're doing internships in the town that you want to end up in they'll kind of offer you a job or you kind of start looking around while you're in your internship like oh you know like i'm going to start looking around here and see if i can get a you know get a job so in the beginning you're kind of like you have to be like more flexible and just do what you're told and then once they start getting to know you and you start moving up in the world then you can start being a little bit like picky and choosy and then then you can start negotiating because right now you're just, some of these students are like, oh, the median salary is this because they looked it up. And I'm like, <laughs> that's the median salary of a therapist. That's not a median salary of a rookie status. Like, you know, it's just like NBA, you have rookie, you have rookie salary, then you got friggin' all-star salary. You're at the rookie level and then all of a sudden you will get into like mid-level. But right now you got to stick with the rookies. Like, but I should be getting paid this much. I'm like, you have nothing you haven't proved anything to get paid that much money right now so once you start building up that resume and like oh my gosh you, you've done this this and this and then you'll be more of an asset and people will want you more so okay yeah. john you're an all-star right now then what does the all-star salary look looking like <laughs> with after my situ- like 10 plus years <laughs> with my situation it was this i I've gone through everything and then like I've been through I've done my I put in my time and then I've done manager areas so I've done mm-hmm. stints of like being a the manager of the clinic 
And then right now I took a little bit of a pay cut to work as a staff therapist. So basically I'm not, I'm not the manager of my clinic. I'm basically a staff therapist. Um, what happened in my situation was I was doing really well. And then I was doing the manager position, um, COVID hit. And then when COVID hit, I was basically one, one man show. So as mm-hmm. the manager, um, there was no more, I didn't have a front office person. I didn't have any tech support. I was basically the guy. They just think the company I was working for wanted to kind of minimize, you know, all the extra expenses. So during that situation, it was just me and my patients. And so I did that for about a good solid two years. And after that, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a step back. I need to go on some vacations. I'm going to go back mm-hmm. and go to a different company. I'm going to be a staff therapist. So when I'm a staff therapist, I can clock in, I can take time off. I don't get, you know, I don't get <clears throat> hassled for taking time off. Um, as a manager, you have to manage. When I was a manager, you have to find another manager to cover your clinic. And during COVID, during the COVID, all the other managers had families. I'm still the single one. So these families were getting COVID left and right. So instead of me taking time off, I had to cover other clinics. And so I was kind of getting worked. I was getting overworked. So I came to the point, I'm like, all right, once COVID kind of started weaning down, I'm like, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to be a staff therapist. I just want to chill out, take some trips, ease off the mind. And then if I decide to go back to manager, I'll definitely have a spot there. But right now I just kind of want to like nine to five, don't worry about anything, get in, get out. So that's my advantage and my sanity right now. So I'm like on a little like chill mode for a while. I see. Yeah. Awesome. Um, kind of the next question. What are some common misconceptions about your job that people think you do? So the biggest one is like, oh, massage, massage, massage. And I'm like, in my in my schooling, I think I had made three hours of massage techniques. Other than that, I don't do massage. So I'll do like, I have other techniques to, to work on. But, you know, people are like, oh, physical therapist, can you massage my neck? I'm like, that's a massage therapist, not a physical therapist. So with that situation, they're like, oh, you know, that's not what we do. We're more in terms of exercising and strengthening than times help if you have like a lot of swelling or you need like, you know, the muscles to be a little bit uh, like flexible, but I can get that through other techniques. But yeah, in basic America, everyone's like, oh, I need a massage. I'm like, no, that's not, that. that is a treatment technique, but that's not what I, I have other ways to get to the goal and some people some clinics will do massage i'll i'll do it if it's necessary but other than that i can do other techniques and still get it like they need to understand that our goal is to get your muscles and your strength and your bones and joints better as opposed to oh massage so that was a big thing i'm like oh you do massages i'm like yes i'm done like yeah nah. <laughs> cool um so what Additionally, what does this industry look like in the future? You said there's a lot of people coming in. Like, what are um, what are your thoughts on the, the physical therapy industry? Uh, the way I see it is, uh, all the baby the baby boomer generation is getting older and they're all retiring, and so 
with that, they've worked so hard over the years that they're starting to break down. And so as long as, uh, as they start retiring, um, the job market, the patients will always, uh, be plentiful. Um, during COVID, it took a lot of the private PT clinics, like, like the mom and pop PT clinics, they went, they went under or they sold. So there's a lot of big, um, big companies that are taking over clinics and buying out clinics, um, which is good. But at the same time, the mom and pop clinics are the ones that are like, they pride themselves on, uh, you know, other patients to like somewhat live the American dream from like having their own company and building it up. So with our new, with the new people coming in, there's always going to be jobs out there. Um, it's just, uh, some people may have to relocate if they decide to, uh, because there's, you know, like, oh, I want to make this much money. Well, if you want to make that much money, your choices are either being a travel PT, which you can travel and then you make it's contract work. So you work for like three months at a certain clinic and you make, you know, you can make up to 60, $65 an hour, or you can kind of, or if you want to stay local, you're going to work with a company and, you know, make salary, but not make as much. So it's, there's always going to be jobs there. It's just basically what you want to fit into your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So my, uh, my student is him and his girlfriend. They're, he's going to graduate being a PT. She's already a PT. So they're, what their game plan is, they're going to go do travel PT. And then with travel PT, they get a, they get a little, uh, housing money and each of them. So they can split it and get a nice place. They can stay at a place for three months. And then after that, um, they can go to a different area and kind of go from there. There's always going to be jobs. It's just like uh, the generation now, uh, there's some of them, some of these kids feel entitled. They feel picky. They feel like they're worth more than what, what they're actually, you know, like, oh, I should be making this. I'm like, no, you're not. You are, you just graduated. You don't, how are you better than this guy? Um, but yeah. their mentality is like that. And they feel entitled to make that, that money. And like, you have no experience. You can't be this person. So people are going to be like, there's going to be jobs out there. And at that point, you just have to work your way. And if you don't like the job, then, and you see another job that fits you better, then go to that one. There's always going to be jobs out there, but it's not going to be like the, the perfect job, just jobs before you get your B job than anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Have you ever thought about opening your own private PT? <laughs> With that, it's kind of, it's tough. The You basically need a really good uh, referral source. So if I had, you know, four or five doctors that can refer to me, and I can have a steady stream of patients, then I wouldn't mind uh, opening up a clinic. Uh, with Arizona and Phoenix, it's very uh, oversaturated with uh, PT clinics. And so their mindset on who they're going to send their uh, their patients to. So like with mine, you know, our doctors are just across the hallway. 
they're going to send them to us and I don't have to worry about marketing because we'll always get patients coming through. Um, if mm -hmm. I was at a, a different clinic outside, marketing is a big thing with, uh, with us and you have to like sell your clinic. And so like, you'll go to the doctor, you know, you'll introduce yourself. But the thing is they'll go, well, I already have PT clinic A, B, and C. What makes your clinic better than them? So they're kind yeah. of like their mindset is already there and they could, they want the best for their patient, but they don't, you know, like they don't know the behind the scenes of why, you know, you know, you can't sell it. It's hard to sell when you know, it's, you're getting the same product. If you're, you know, if yeah. your patient, if the patient's like, all right, uh, well, look, I made your patient lama basketball and you know, he never did that before. And then like, oh, wow. Like your, your clinic's really, really good. But the product and the outcome is usually the same. So it's very hard to market to a doctor and say, all right, you need to, I'm going to send them all to this clinic. So sometimes it's back in the day, it was just good networking. Like you had a, you had a, you know, you went to this dinner with doctors. These doctors loved you. Um, they're going to send you patients. Now there's so many doctors coming out of the woodworks. Uh, they don't know what clinic you work at. They may know your name one day and the next day they don't remember it because they're so busy with other things going on. So I would love to open my own clinic. The thing is like one, I'd rather go with like two or three other people because it takes up a lot of your time. Like if you are the owner you have to, everything's on you. So marketing and you know, reimbursements, your front office, your staff, your equipment, and then the place. And so there's a lot of things that are involved and, you know, you can get investors, but you got to make sure that your projected outcome is all right. This is when we're going to be in, you know, this is when we're in the red, this is when we're going to start making money. And it's, you can say that, but then you don't have really uh, set numbers that you can fall back on. You can say these mm -hmm. are predicted, but is it really your predicted? Because you don't know if like the month of, you know, the month of June, something happens and no one gets surgeries or no one refers out. So there's a lot of factors. And so I right, I've, been, I've been offered stuff, but it's not like, yeah, you have to like do your homework in that kind of situation. So you're almost not a PT anymore. You're like a business owner at that point. Yeah, you're honestly a business owner and maybe you may treat maybe five patients or something like that. You, in the beginning, you are. You're, you're, you're grinding and then all of a sudden you're grinding enough that you can have another PT. Then you're doing less work and then you're doing more of the backside of it. Then if you're making more money, then you, you have to fall back more. So yeah, there's a lot of little things but at the same time yeah you know you need to make revenue so yeah it becomes more administrative than anything else as you become farther into it yeah awesome thanks so much for sharing this information um it's super mm -hmm. valuable do you have anything else that you want to add before we kind of close out for anybody no. who's interested in the world of pt <laughs> no i think that's it we covered a lot um yeah yeah uh, yeah, I think I said everything that I need to. I mean, if you, have, if you guys have any other questions, you know, you can always reach out. But yeah, that's me. Awesome. In a nutshell. <laughs>
Awesome. Thanks so, thanks so much. It's really a pleasure speaking with you. Wow. So that was a lot of great information. Um, so thank you again to Sean for giving us all that inside knowledge into physical therapy. So just to recap, to become a physical therapist, you do need your undergrad and graduate degree. Um, undergrad, you need some sort of science degree. Sean did occupational therapy. I know that cost of tuition is always a big question. Um, and he did discuss that. And as you can expect, the cost of tuition really does vary. In-state tuition obviously will be cheaper than out-of-state tuition. Um, and then for both of those, private school tuition will probably be higher than the cost of those. Um, but those are all options. For graduate school, you will need to take your GRE. And it's suggested that you shadow a physical therapist to get that on, on the field. In the field, I think is the right way to say it, experience. Um, Sean mentions that physical therapists are always open to it. He actually has a student with him right now, so it's really cool to hear that. Um, and recommendations from a physical therapist are recommended for grad school. He did mention that a lot of them are requiring it now. So if you don't know a physical therapist, it is a great nudge to get out there and get that. So he speaks highly of that. Um, let me just take a peep to see. Oh, he did also mention that some of physical therapist techs technically get their on-hand experience, first-hand experience. Sorry, guys. These, like, idioms, one-liners, I'm not good at. But they get the volunteer experience while getting paid to do it. So that's also something cool to consider. As for physical therapists, it seems like physical therapists can either own their own their own private practice, um, work for corporation-owned clinic, or for a physician clinic, which is where the type of clinic Sean works at now. The day-to-day -day job is in nine to five. He mentions that you don't really have a lot of worries outside of work. So in comparison to doctors who have patients that they check on in the hospital and what could possibly be happening and all that fun stuff. Um, he has no worry about the patients. It's not really high stress in that regard. He can, he knows that when he leaves Friday, Friday to Monday, nothing serious is going to be needed from him, from his patients. He has a really solid work-life balance. He works three days, he mentioned. Um, I think three days are days he sees patients. I actually forgot about that one, but I know he has like three full days. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the things he did touch on is that with the negative of this career is dealing with patient expectations. So they, a lot of them have high expectations based off what they see from the media. We're told by others, social media, and a lot of them are just not very open to what a treatment may be. So it does seem like you will need per se good bedside manner and like great customer service um, attitudes to deal with these. So long story short, you have to be a people person. <laughs> um, I'm not a people person. So that would be very stressful or more exhausting. Eh, both. Um, starting. So in 2009, 
He started with 65K and got bonuses. I did some research and currently, it obviously depends on where you live. The starting salary for physical therapists is 57K to 91K. Um, seems like there's a handful of different positions you can hold as a physical therapist. So you can be a staff physical therapist, which is where you're just working at one of these owned clinics. You can be a manager. Um, you can be a travel physical therapist and that's always cool. It's a contract, um, contract based sort of job. You get three months contract, he said, but I'm sure that can vary. Uh, and they typically get paid for housing when they do travel physical therapy and they opt to do that option. Um, when you can also own your own private practice. At first, he did say that, you know, you are grinding hard, probably doing a lot, wearing many, many hats, but eventually you become more of a business owner than you do a practicing physician. So it looks like the education requirements quite high, at least for me, for the salary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I actually just look, it's like four years undergrad. And then you have to have volunteering experience. So it looks mm -hmm. like if you want to, or if you want to apply to physical therapy stool, school, you have to have volunteering experience, which makes you have to do some, like you have to volunteer or is it volunteer or just have some work experience? As a it's like shadowing. It's like shadowing. So yeah. it's pretty similar to the concept of getting into med school. If you shadow a doctor or something yeah. like that, you, yeah. um, yeah pretty much shadowing, that counts yeah yeah shadowing slash physical therapist assistant that work um yeah and i don't know what it, i i feel like this is something that i actually would like to do if i was in healthcare because it sounds fun and you get to work with athletes potentially um but I would only want to work on like a sports team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the, <laughs> the work does sound pretty rewarding. Um, I actually wanted to do physical therapy when I was younger. Like that's what I was going to go to college for, but I forgot who it was, but someone talked me out of it. And so a misconception I had because of this person was that being a physical therapist was just a lot of paper pushing. So what do you mean? Just pushing. like filling out paperwork, documenting, just not fun. It's, yeah. But from just hearing Sean's experience, it seems um, not that. He has a good yeah. work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely experience. consider it. He does have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. He's old. <laughs> if you're listening, he's, Sean. He's, he's not that old. Grandpa. <laughs> well, he seems like... He seems, he was, when I was talking to him, he seems very passionate and mm -hmm. he cares about his patients. And the, the biggest like, like problem was there are so many, if you want to start your own, there's so many of this other physical therapists, like clinics or yeah. businesses. And yeah. And then eventually like from owning your own clinic, he did say that like it, um, you'd end up being more of a business owner than a f practicing physical therapist. Yeah, so. that's true. I feel like mm -hmm. that's true for like almost every small business. Um, you don't become, you don't actually do the work itself. 
yeah you just, you just manage other people who do the work for yeah pretty <laughs> for much <laughs> but initially you you have to do both like most of the time will be like managing the actual business which might not be actually doing physical therapy yeah <laughs> so you might i think another thing yeah yeah Another thing, too, is that uh, you have to have good, like, bedside. You have to be a people person. You have to have good bedside manner. You have to be friendly. And I'm not those things. You have to, have, you have to be able to I think I'm friendly, temper. but, like, yeah. I don't have a temper. But uh, <laughs> I just, I don't like talking to people. <laughs> yeah. If you're more of an introvert, it might be hard because you're literally w- with people all day, all, yeah. all day long, all week, every single day. Yeah. And, and it kind of like, it does come down to like that. You have to have that customer service face on. So, yeah. yeah. Like, at least for this, the people in this part of healthcare, the people are still functioning and they talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're like <laughs> anesthesiast, they're not even <laughs> they're <not> talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> Just there making sure. Yeah. Those people are unconscious, but this these people are mostly, I would imagine, conscious and walking around. Yeah. Um, they're talking yeah. to you, what's wrong, and those people could get frustrated and um you have to be able to handle that. Yeah. See, I just wouldn't have the time or the uh, patience. I would just be like, you know what? You're upset, you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah 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 all right cool so that's a wrap on this episode of beyond the paychecks a huge thanks to sean for opening up and sharing his journey with us before we head out we just want to say thanks to all you listeners for tuning in you guys are the reason we do this podcast your curiosity and support keeps us going If you enjoyed today's episode and want more stories from all sorts of industries, hit subscribe, leave a review, and spread the word about the show to your friends. Till next time, stay curious, stay motivated, and keep exploring the awesome stories of everyday people. I'm Ashley. And I'm Peter, and thanks for listening to Beyond the Paychecks.